Amen. Turn with me to James chapter 1, verse 17. Excuse me. Thank you, visitors, for coming today. It's such a blessing to have you here. Amen. God is good. Welcome to a church that loves you and loves Jesus. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 17. It's going to talk to you today about our dad is the best dad. Amen. In the whole world. So let's get some announcements to everybody so you can use them as notes. Let's get your notes in front of you so you can take notes today. Today's message title can be put on top. James 1.17. When you're there, say I'm there. There's a wonderful song that we're going to be singing today after the service, and it's called Our Dad. We have the best dad in the whole world, in the whole world. Oh, we have the best dad in the whole world. Oh, we in the whole world, in the whole world. Amen. We're going to be singing that song today. We're going to be running around the church, okay? And let me just help you ish with some of the things that you want to say. You, you want to say the dosi do for Jesus. Throw your hands in the air for Jesus. Wave them side to side for Jesus. The jumping jacks I'm not feeling so much, okay? <laughs> Love train for Jesus. If you have to do the jumping jacks, I'll do them with you. <laughs> if you have the announcements in front of you, flip them over now. We'll go over those later. To the side of sermon notes and put at the top, we have the best dad. We have the best dad. I really feel that as we sing that song, There's a reason why we believe we have the best dad. There's really a reason why we are so excited about Jesus in this place. Now, we believe that God is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we also know that Jesus is called our everlasting Father. So He is a Father to us, just as God the Father is to Him and to us, because He cares for us. He takes care of us. So what I'm talking about is the triune God today. Not just God the Father fathering us. I'm talking about just the love and care that God has for us. And God, the triune God, is known as a Father. Does everybody understand? The Holy Spirit fathers us. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts and does things to us. Now, they are three separate persons, so I'm not saying that the Father is the Holy Ghost in personhood. No, they are separate persons. But when we're just going to be talking today, just God is a Father to us. Does everybody understand that? Just to say, everybody say, God is a Father. Amen. Okay, I think you got that theological uh, concept down. Okay, James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of His first, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. Everybody say, God is a Father who gives good gifts. Say, every good and perfect gift comes from our Father. That's why we have the best dad in the whole wide world. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of lights. So when a person is born, even though they may not even be a Christian yet, all the good that they have is coming from God. The air that they breathe is coming from God. That's a good gift. How many thank God for oxygen? Amen? 
The food that they eat is a gift from God. Waking up healthy every morning is a gift from God. Even though some people may be born with health challenges, all the parts of their body that work is a gift from God. Amen? Amen? God is a good God. He gives everything to us that is good. Now people then ask the question, well, where does all the evil come from? Well, if God's not the one bringing the evil, who's the one bringing the evil? The devil. Turn with me to John chapter 10, verse 10. So you can see it in its context. There is a God and there is a devil. There is good and there is evil. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Even if sinners don't acknowledge God, if Bill Gates never acknowledges God on this earth, the gift of him making Microsoft and computers came from God. Are you listening? Even if today the sports uh, players don't acknowledge God, all the ability they have came from God. Now, look at John 10.10. This is Jesus talking. And look what he says. He says, the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy i have come jesus talking of himself that they may have life and have it to the what that they may have life and have it to the full everybody say full one two three full in the king james it says life abundantly abundant life everyone say abundant life okay so right now we see that there's another work in another person at work in our world and he is the thief And we know the thief is the devil. And what are the three things he does? Steal, kill, and destroy. So when people come up to me and to you and when you're preaching the gospel, and they say, if there's such a good God, how can people in Africa be starving? Does that show that God is not good? No. What does it show? That there is a thief that is stealing, killing, and destroying them. Oh, hello. Come on. Somebody needs to get the revelation of that. I know people go to college sometimes and they start studying philosophy and they come up with so many of these ideas they think are so deep, you know, like, oh, who created God then? Or, you know, if there's a good God in the world, then how is there evil? It's not really that hard to understand, people, okay? God is uncreated, period. That just solves that problem. He never does, doesn't need to be created. He's uncreated, boom, period. Everybody's got that. Number two, there's evil because there's a devil. There is a thief. That's it. It's that simple. When we're talking today about how good our God is, our God is blessing people. Think about all the times firefighters have gone in and saved people who would have died in a fire. Who gave them the ability to do that? God. What about all the people that are farming in Africa, giving food to the poor? What about all the nations that help the starving nations? Who put that in their heart? God. Who put it in the heart of a mother to breastfeed her child? God. Who put it in the heart of a man to take, treat his wife with respect and have a happy family? God. So who's the one actually healing the planet? Who's the one blessing the planet? Who's the one doing all of this? Our Father. Our Dad is the best Dad in the whole world. I said, we have the best dad in the whole world. Our dad is so good. And father is dad. You know, and dad is poppy and papa. You know, we can say any term that's endearing towards our father. We have the best dad in the whole world. I want you now to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. We know that our God gives us every perfect, every good and perfect gift. I want you to see that. Our Father also gives us all spiritual blessings. All the things that you and I need to ever live for Him. 
Some people have believed the lie the devil has told them that living for God is hard. That living for God is difficult. That living for God is, is, is just really, really hard and, you know, they're always about ready to give up. That's not true. You know, it's not hard for my child when it's going to be born. It's not going to be hard for them to be my daughter. By the way, we're having a girl. Amen. She'll be Bethany named, named Bethany Grace Wyrostin. It's not going to be hard for Bethany to be my daughter. She's my daughter because my wife and I procreated her and my wife gave birth to her. God creates in us the Holy Spirit. The whole, with the Holy Spirit makes us new. That, we have nothing to do with that other than saying, yes, Lord. And then He keeps us, sustains us every day. So those of you complaining, whining Christians that want a little cheese with your wine and always want somebody next to you to call the wambulance because you be wan all the time, stop having a pity patty party. Stop talking about how big the devil is and how much he beats you up every day. That doesn't give glory to God. How would that look if my child came home every day? I'm getting beat up. I'm getting kicked and spit on at school. And then, you know, I didn't do anything about it. And they come complaining to you. You would say, you have a terrible father. Every time you complain about how you can't live for Christ, you get tempted that you got to shake your booty in a club. All you're doing is making the devil look like he's bigger than God. You're telling a lie on God. You're a liar. Amen. You need to let God be the God of your life. He will provide for you. He will take care of you. He already has. He's even provided a way if you sin to be forgiven so you can keep living for Him. So even sin can't keep you from God if you have a pure heart. If you have a pure heart, it doesn't mean you don't sin. It just means when you sin, you ask God for forgiveness and desire never to do it again. So there's absolutely no excuse other than you, you, uh, me, myself, and I that could keep us from God. Because He'll provide for us. He'll take care of us. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with just some blessings. Is that what it says? Just little blessings here and there? He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with what? Every spiritual blessing in Christ. Amen. Is it a spiritual blessing to live without uh, going to the club? Yes. Is it a spiritual blessing to love your wife? Husband, love your neighbor. Is it a spiritual blessing to speak in tongues? Spiritual blessing to do good things for God. All of these things, who do they come from? Our Father. So if Christianity is hard for you, you need to come to your Father and say, Papa, give me those spiritual blessings so I can live for you. I need you. The very fact that we can pray and tap into these blessings is a blessing. Amen? The very fact that we have a Bible that tells us about the blessings is a blessing. Amen? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. We have the best dad in the whole world. He gives us every good and perfect gift. He destroys the work of the devil, and he gives us life abundantly. He gives us all spiritual blessings. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, he gave us a prophecy in the Old Testament that's fulfilled now in the New Testament that we would forever be his children and that he would live among us. Our father is not a neglectful father. He's not a deadbeat dad. Some people talk about God like He's a deadbeat dad. Like He's never around. 
No, our God is always around. The Bible says, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Our God is always with us. He is always there. Even David, the psalmist said, My mother and my father will forsake me, but God will never leave me. And I remember my father who told me one day how he learned what that meant. Because my dad read that scripture and it said, Though my mother and father forsake me, you'll never forsake me. And my dad said, my mom and dad will never forsake me. You know, my dad has great parents. He had great, great upbringing. And he said, they'll never forsake me. But when he buried them, because they both died recently, and he lost his mother, which was my grandma's lost, last one to go, he said, now I understand it. Whether they choose to or not, one day even my own family will forsake me. I'll be left alone on this earth. Hmm? Isn't that true? Isn't that the way of life? There's nobody here that's going to outlive their children unless something tragic happens. Am I telling the truth? If you're 30, I'm 31, about ready to have Bethany, I'm going to die before she does. Nancy's going to die before she does. One day, the people that brought you in this place, in this earth, are going to leave you. But God will never leave you. Therefore, even your father can't be the best father in the whole world. He may be the best earthly father to you. But there's one father greater than your earthly father and my earthly father. He's God the Father. So we have the best dad in the whole world. Why? Because he never leaves us. Oh, praise God. Look at this right here. Look at verse 16. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Hello, somebody. Our God lives in us. Thank you, Jesus. He lives in me. Somebody say, He lives in me. Oh, come on, say it again. He lives in me. Your father can't live in you. Your earthly father can't. That would be gross. It would be sick. It wouldn't last very long, okay? But our God the Father lives in us because He is not flesh and blood. He is a spirit. We learned on the retreat that everything that is seen is what? Everything that is seen is what? But that which is unseen is what? Eternal. Our God is not made of flesh and blood. He is a spirit. He created all that we see in the matter, uh, in the universe, matter, space, and time. He is a spirit, and He chooses to live in us. And He says, as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my gente. They will be my familia. They'll be my people. Amen? Praise the Lord. Verse 17, because we have such that great promise, he says, Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Our Father is such a good dad that he says to sinners, rebellious children, He says, I will be with you if you accept me. You see, he gives us the ultimatum. He says, you got to leave. you got to separate yourself from the children of the devil. 
Not everybody's a child of God. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, we are born with the propensity to sin. We are born with a sinful nature. And if we were to die without Christ, we'd be sentenced to hell. Jesus called the Jews sons of the devil because of this. First John gives you the description that anyone who sins is of the devil. We've all told a lie. We've all stolen something. Therefore, the whole world is lying under the power of darkness. They're children of darkness, children of the devil, as the Bible says, until they separate themselves and come to Christ. And when they do, the Father receives them. And He says, I will be your Father forever. And the Bible talks about this Father. We're going to get to the prodigal son a little later on here. It talks about He desires all of us to come to be with Him. Amen? He desires every one of us. All these people that got baptized today, you know what? They all made a decision to make God their Father. And look what He says. Because you've done that, because you've separated yourself from the world, He says, I will be a Father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters. Now turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 15. I hope you're taking good notes because when the devil comes to pick on you and he comes to tell you that you're worthless and that you're no good, you need to tell him these scriptures. Whenever you feel like giving up and you don't think that Christianity is for you and that you can't live for God, you need to read these scriptures and know that you have the best dad in the whole world. That God the Father gives you every good and perfect gift. He gives you all that you need. He's given you every spiritual blessing. He lives and walks among you. And now what you're going to learn in Romans 8.15, He's adopted you. You're His. He signed the papers of adoption. He bought you back from the devil. How many know right now when these movie stars like Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt want to adopt children from Africa, they got to spend a couple bucks. Adoption costs money. you got to sign the papers. How many know that? It's, it's, a, it's a price. Jesus bought you so you could be his son and daughter. How much did he pay for you? How much did Jesus pay for you? What did he pay? His life. They say that value... On any item, the economy is, is determined on value and what someone's willing to pay. For example, when a trend comes in, you know, th through the stores, you know, like an Xbox, and everybody wants it, they charge you so much. Why? Because people are willing to pay four or $500 for it. After a few years, that same Xbox is only two dollars and $300. I mean, you're listening to me. When everybody's wanting to buy houses, what happens to the price of houses? They go what? They go up because everybody's buying houses. They're willing to pay a high price. The value increases. But that's the same house that you can buy now for $100,000 less because nobody can buy houses right now, right? So values determine on what somebody's willing to pay for the item they want. When Jesus saw that all of us, mankind, after Adam and Eve were going to be lost sons and daughters, that we would then become children of the devil, he then said to the Father, I'll pay for them with my life. I value them with my life. That is the greatest treasure we could ever say. So many times we get used to the fact of people telling us, Jesus loves you, Jesus died for you. We get so used to hearing that, that it loses its meaning. And when you live in a big world like we do with six billion people, you hear that Jesus loves everybody. It doesn't feel so special after a while. You're like, ah, oh, you know, he just loves everybody and I just happen to be everybody so it doesn't feel special. No, 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 no. It costs Jesus' blood to purchase every one of us. 
That means if one of us was not purchased, then he failed. And that means when he went on the cross, every one of us went through his heart and his mind. When Jesus was dying for us, he literally talked to the Father about each one of us. You see, you've got to understand, we are temporal. And we can only remember so many things. So, you know, some of us have three children, four children. My wife and I want a dozen children. How many think I always will be be able to remember their name? By faith, right? (laughs) Probably a bad example. How many of you remember your children's name? Amen? But we have a little temporal mind the size of a cantaloupe. Think about God who has an eternal mind. And time means nothing to Him. He was able to say, Ricky, Father, I want Ricky. Father, I want Rachel. He went through every one of us. All of us, every single one. And the Bible says that He wants every one of us to, to be adopted. He wants all of us to choose Him. Somebody say, we have the best dad. Look at the Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14-18. It says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. See, that was how we lived in the world. But you received the spirit of sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. That Aramaic word Abba is an intimate word. It's like saying Poppy. It's like saying Daddy. You know, we think sometimes that God is always the judge of our souls. And in one sense, He always is that. We should live with the fear. But we always seem to forget how much He loves us. We need to remember that He's also our Daddy. Now, for the sinner, they need to see Him as that judge. But for us who aren't sinners anymore, we're born again saints. We need to love Him. We need to know that He loves us and that we're special to Him. And look what it says. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are what? God's children. Somebody say, I'm God's child. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. The Bible says He gives us His inheritance. How many would like an inheritance from Bill Gates? How many would like an inheritance from somebody that has a lot of money? Come on. Our Father owns the universe. He created heaven and earth and everything in it. He says, I want you and you and you and all of you to come be with me. And He has enough inheritance for all of us to take part in it. Amen? All we have to do is share in these momentary sufferings. And this sufferings that they're talking about there is not the sufferings of us sinning and those type of things. He's talking about the times that people persecute us for being His child. Have you ever been on a playground and people pick on each other and start calling out each other's moms and dads? Well, listen to me. The children of the devil sometimes act like the devil. And they don't like children of God very much. And right now in China, the children of the devil are killing our brothers and sisters. And if they'll go through that trial of tests, the Father's telling them there's, an award, there's a reward for them in heaven. He's not ashamed of them. He's so proud of them. And even though we have sufferings here that's, that's small in comparison, maybe you get picked on at your job. Maybe other people bully you. Maybe people in your family tell you that it, you shouldn't love God the way you do. You shouldn't go to church all that you do. You're too extreme. You should just go to church once a week like they do or on Christmas and Easter. Listen to me. If you can endure that, if you can endure the the suffering of people putting you down because you're a child of God, you will share in His glory. That's why, Victor, we told you, brother, you can never be ashamed. 
You can't lose your focus on what He did for you. Just in review, I want you to think about all that God is doing. James said He's the Father of lights. Every perfect and good gift comes from Him. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says every spiritual gift comes from Him. In 2 Corinthians 6, it says He will live in us and be among us. In Romans chapter 8, it says He adopted us and gave us the intimacy of calling on Him, Abba, Father. We have the best dad in the whole world. There is nobody like Him. Turn to John 3.16. John 3.16 is probably the most popular scripture in the whole Bible. Many of you have read it, but I'm going to show you something very special in it that you maybe have never seen before. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. I want everyone now to think about this Scripture that is so familiar to every one of us. But instead of seeing yourself in the Scripture, and instead of seeing Jesus, who we always see as the Son, we know He's in it, I want you to see the other person in this Scripture that we always forget. God, the Father. Somebody's about ready to get a revelation of love. And at the same time, some of you are going to get a revelation of judgment. Watch this. Watch this. Listen. Imagine if I took my son and I went to the courthouse and I found a murderer that was going to be sentenced to death. And I said, Judge, I will give for a stranger. Let's say they did the most hideous act, rape. And I said, I will give my only son to die in this rapist place would you spare the rapist number one that would be the greatest act of love could you imagine fathers even thinking or conceiving that that's why we have the best dad in the whole world i'm going to stop just for a minute and talk about the loving aspect of this scripture god the father loved his creation so much that he asked his son to come and die for them. That he said, son, they're going to beat you. They're going to whip you. They're going to spit on you. They're going to pull out your beat. Why do you think at three in the afternoon, the sky turned pitch black and Jesus cried out, Lama, 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 Sabachani, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? Why? Because the father turned his back. He could not even look on his son going through that suffering and pain and taking on the sins of the world. That's how much it touched the heart of the father. That's how much He loves us. Never, never think that God's love is not great for you. He gave His only Son for you in your sin. He demonstrated His love for you while you were yet a sinner. Christ died for you. The Bible says, how much more will He give you all things if He gave you His Son? If He gave you Jesus, how much more will He give you a job to pay the bills? How much more will He give you the, the family that He's promised you? How much more? You just need to be patient. The Bible says that when you start questioning Him, it's like almost questioning the cross. You're like saying, well, you know, I don't think the cross is that big of a deal. No, the cross was the greatest act of the Father. It was the greatest act of, of giving the world has ever known. How much more will He give you these little things? The love of the Father is so great. He gave His Son. He 
gave. We always think about Jesus. You know, Jesus willingly came. Yes, and that's awesome. And we think about us who needs to believe in Jesus, the Son that came. But think of it from the perspective of a father. He gave His Son willingly. Now watch the revelation of judgment. Imagine the rapist turning back around to the father going, F you. F you and your son. That is what sinners do to God every day. They may not say those words, I chose the most brass words I could, but every day sinners rebel, they kick back the alcohol, they smoke their cigarettes, they live in their world, they live just like the devil, and they hurt one another. They, some young people are in gang sex outside of marriage. It's looking at the son that's willing, and matter of fact, he already did that, looking at the cross, looking at the sacrifice, saying, I don't want this! And our Father says they will perish out of His wrath and out of His revenge. Out of His revenge. The Bible says it is mine to avenge. I will revenge, says the Lord. The Lord says if you treat my son that way, if you treat Jesus that way, you live the life of a sinner, I will punish you. Hell is not an accident, my friend. Hell is a place that God sends people who reject His Son. Woo! But we have the best dad in the whole world. Because we accept His Son. We accept Jesus. We become an heir with Jesus. That means that all that Jesus has, He gives to us. We have the best dad in the whole world. Amen? Look to Psalms 146, verse 9. Some people in this world do not have the opportunity to ever know a father. They say right now, statistically, that the fall of our society is because fathers are not in the homes. I'm going to say that again. Statistically, sociologists, I have all the numbers. I'll give them to you. Email me if you want them. Statistically, sociologists have said the number one cause of demise among the youth, the number one cause of abortion, the number one cause of crime, the number one cause of high school uh, dropout, the number one cause of all of these things comes from fatherless homes. Fatherless homes, their children are 300 times more likely to do all the things I just named. They're 300 times more likely to go to jail, 300 times more likely to have an abortion, 300 times more likely to be in an abusive relationship, 300 times more likely to be held back a year in school, and and they're 300 times more likely to not get a college education, so on and so on and so on. Some of you have been brought up in a home like that. Some of you have not known your father. Some of you had a father and you almost wish that you didn't know him because he hasn't been good to you. Listen to this promise. In Psalms 146 verse 9, the Lord watches over the alien. How many in uh, Chicago with the immigration can say amen? (laughs) Alien. That's what it means. Come on, one more time. All those who know about the green card, everybody say amen. The Lord watches over you if you don't have a green card or your family doesn't. Say amen. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow. He frustrates the ways of the wicked. In another place, the Bible says he is the father 
to the fatherless. He becomes a real father to those who do not have a father. He becomes the provider. He becomes the example. If every young person would look to the father as their example of how to act, they would never go to jail. If every person would look to the father to have help paying for school, to get an education, the father would provide for them. You have no idea. I've watched kids come out of the projects who never knew their father get college educations because they had God the Father provide for them. I've seen people in this church have issues with their families and their family almost disown them, but God blessed them and take care of them. I have watched a young lady bury her mother because she did heroin and her father's barely alive and he's still doing heroin, sleep on couch to couch to couch, get the perfect attendance award for high school, go to college on scholarships, and buy. By God's grace, we married her to another man, and they were both virgins when they got married last year. And they're blessed by God because she came to the best dad in the whole world. The Father of lights, the good God our Father, sustained her. Every person here who lacks a good father or lacks wisdom from a father, maybe you have a father, but he's not a Christian. Maybe He doesn't provide for you. Who knows what you're going through? Listen to me. Your Father in Heaven will sustain you. He is a real Father to you. All the things that my real dad did for me, God will do for you. Some of you might say, oh, will He come watch my baseball games? Absolutely. You see, some of you didn't grow up in church as a young kid, but I did. And I remember being eight years old, and I began to have an awareness of God at eight years old that He was with me. Just like we talk about right here. Just like we're talking about. He will be with you in you. I remember eight years old playing football games saying, Jesus, help me. And I could feel Jesus talking to me. I, you know, I actually asked him to win some games for me, but it didn't always work, you know. But I, I felt his presence. I'm not lying to you. Listen to me. When I was eight years old as a child playing games, and since that day, I have always felt His presence, even when I was a sinner. We're going to get to this. When I rebelled against Him, I felt His presence. Yes, He will go to baseball games with you. I'm telling you, yes. He'll be there with you. He will tell you good game after the game. He'll give you some pointers. You think I'm kidding? I'm telling you the truth. How many know God is with us? When I was rock climbing yesterday, and I got a little nervous on that mountain, on that rock, God was with me. I felt His presence. And I'm not just talking about an imaginary friend. Listen to me. I'm not crazy. I'm not just talking about just talking to yourself, calming yourself. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I understand that. Trust me. I understand. You know, we can talk to ourselves. Come on, Joe. Motivate ourselves. I can do this. You know, you'll feel a little nervous. Calm I'm not talking about that. I am talking about the presence of God when we feel here in worship. That peace, that joy. When I pray, the things He speaks to me. God has done in sporting events. God spoke to me on my marriage night. Praise the Lord. That's why we had a heavenly experience. Yes, He's with us. That's why I ought not to sin. That's why I ought to always do what's right in His eyes. Amen? The Bible says He sustains us. Turn with me now in closing to Luke fifteen eleven. Luke fifteen eleven is going to be our closing scripture, the story of the prodigal son. Everybody say, we have the best dad in the whole world. One more time, we have the best dad. In the whole world. Amen. Turn with me to Luke 15, 11 as we study the prodigal son. Rachel, would you come please? 
Luke 15, 11. Jesus continued. You all know this story, many of you, but listen to it again, now knowing some of the things you just heard today. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me a share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. So here is this man that was brought up in a wonderful home. He had everything that he needed. He asked his father for his part of the inheritance. How rude, how disrespectful. Before his father even dies, he says, give me my share. He takes his share of the money and he just squanders it. He has no appreciation for the dollar that he's spending. He just spends it however he wants. And he wastes it. And in another scripture it talks about he's spending on riotous living. And that includes prostitution and drunkenness. He just threw it all away. He then faced a severe famine and everything he had was gone now and he went to a man in that country he was at and he said can I work for you and now he's feeding pigs and we know lechon tastes good when it's cooked but they're dirty in the in the mud amen watch this right here so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed pigs verse 16 he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything. He got so hungry that he was eating pig food. He wasn't eating the pigs. He wasn't even that good. He was eating the pig food. And nobody gave him anything. Could you imagine being that hungry? Living with pigs. I mean, isn't Jesus a storyteller? I mean, he really makes this really elaborate, really just visual story. He's saying, man, this man is eating with the pigs. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I'm starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Can you say amen? This man, with pride in his heart, takes all of his father's money. And he begins to spend it on sinful things. He then loses everything he has. And he begins to work for a pig farmer. And he gets so hungry, he begins to eat what the pigs are eating. The Bible says he then comes to his senses and he says, I ought to come home and beg my father for forgiveness. At least I can become a servant. When he's on his way home, his father's already at the door and sees him. 
prepares a feast for him. When his father, when the son comes home, his father embraces him. The son says, I'm so sorry. He says, I've sinned. Forgive me. I'm not even worthy to be your son. Make me a servant. And the father says, you're going to always be my son. And he celebrates and he tells the whole family and all of his workers, he says, my son was lost, but now he's found. What does that apply to our lives? Think about this. Think about all the people in the world that have taken all the things the Father has given them and are now using it in sinful ways. Think about all the Oprah Winfrey's, all the Michael Jordans, all of your co-workers, all your friends and family, all the people who take their talents, everything they have, and they go and squander it and they waste it on this world. They take everything God gave them. God gave them the ability to sing, but now they sing for money. God gave them the ability to to have a business, but they do it for themselves. God gave them the ability to do all that they do, but they take it for themselves. Now listen, until we come to Christ, we're all in that place. And it is only God's mercy that allows us to come to our end. I pray that some of you come to your end. And that you see that money won't satisfy. That all the things you can do with your talents won't satisfy. And I found myself at 18 years old, losing my mind to drugs. And I began to realize that I needed to come back to the Father. Some people don't have those breakdowns. But when they hear preaching like this and they begin to realize who they are on the inside, they can begin to figure out that they're pretty empty on the inside. Because what is alcohol? It's just pig's food. What is sex? It's just pig's food. What is all the things of this world? It's just pig food. So whether or not you realize that everybody before they come to Christ is feeding on pig's food. I pray that everybody here gets sick of the life they're leading without Jesus and comes back to the Father. My first message is to those right now that are not with the Father. You are still out there living your own life and you're eating pig's food. You need to come to your senses. The Bible says he came to his senses. He said, man, it can be better than this with God with, or with my father. So you need to come home. Everybody say, come home. Everyone needs to come home. Now, the second thing is I was sharing this for all the Christians here. Watch this. The father saw the son coming. How did he do that? How did he know? Do you, do you stand by your door every day? No. How did the father know that his son was coming? You know why I believe he knew? Because every day the father came to that door and prayed, send him home. I'll believe today he can come home. Those of you today that don't see your family members saved yet, you need to keep waiting for them because they will come home. That's what the father did for us. The father loved you so much that he was waiting for you. Think about how special each and every one of us were. It wasn't an accident that you got saved. Those of you who got baptized, it wasn't an accident. God was waiting for you. God waited for you. God was waiting for you to come to your senses and come back home. And then look what He does. He gives you a Holy Ghost party. And He gives you the ring of His finger. Go on down. Look up a little bit. Go up. Stop right there. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. The father had a ring. 
In those days, that ring was like a stamp. They didn't have credit cards. They had no way of exchanging money. They would have a stamp, rather, that they would sign their agreements with, and that would mean they would exchange cattle. And a lot of their agreements were over time. So, you know, you give me 500 cattle, I'll give you 500 bushels of wheat over the next year. And how you sealed it was you put your ring on the, you know, the clay, the, the, the wax, and then you knew there was a deal. The Father said, give him my ring. Do you know that when we're walking around today, we're walking around with the authority of Jesus? The authority of our Father? Do you know that when we tell the devil, get out, he has to back off? Do you know that when we put our prayer requests to heaven, and they're the will of God, and we ask Him for we put the seal, the Father sees that seal and He gives it to us, the Holy Spirit gives it to us? We have the best dad in the whole world. Are you all ready to celebrate and get excited for Jesus? Amen. Let's stand up together. Can you give our Father a hand clap? Come on, bless the Lord. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, bless the Lord. Band, come on up here. Start off with that song, Oh, How He Loves Us. Every head bowed and eyes closed in this place. Who needs to come to the Father? Come up to the front right now.